0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are in the world, welcome back to The Caring Economy with me, Toby Usnick. Today our, our guest is a really special friend of mine foremost and a former colleague, Lydia Finette. Lydia is the head of strategic partnerships at Christie's where I worked with her for a decade. She is also the charity auctioneer extraordinaire having raised half a billion dollars in charity auctions in her career and an author and we're going to talk about her book in a, uh, a little bit. So welcome to The Caring Economy, Lydia Finette.
1: Thank you, Toby. It's wonderful to be here and it's always wonderful to see you and hear you. Uh,
0: Lydia, I feel like we got the band back together again with this. Sort
1: of <laughs> I feel the same way.
0: Um, so Lydia, we always ask our guests, first and foremost, talk a little bit about their career journey. How did you get where you got, so to speak? And, and as interesting for my audience, um, sort of the bumps that you hit along the road and how they made you better, stronger. And I know that's also part of the, um, the messages in your book, but uh, give us a little bit of a, a synopsis of your career journey, please.
1: Absolutely. So my career has all been in one place, but I like to think that even though it's been in one place, there have been many different branches to my career. I started as an intern in the company. I read an article when I was in college about Christie's Auction House, and it was really a place I'd never heard of. I was not aware of an art world. I did not know anything about auction houses. You know, I grew up in a small town in Louisiana, and it really wasn't part of my sort of upbringing or my family. And so... I read an article about the sale of Princess Diana's dresses at this place called Christie's Auction House in New York City. And because in my mind, I've always lived on a movie set, that's really the way I I really see my life, I guess would be the best way to describe it since an early age. I just imagined myself working at this place, at this glamorous auction house where everybody dressed in black tie and we raised money for charity. And Princess Diana just happened to walk through. It really sounded like a perfect place for me, Um, which was kind of hilarious because I had no tie to it whatsoever. And I basically told everyone I had ever met, including my father, who is a person who has met everyone in the entire world because he believes that networking is the key to life. Uh, that I wanted to work for this place called Christie's and. I mean, I really talked about it endlessly for over a year. And I was at a small Christmas party in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is not really a bastion of art collecting, I will say. And my father dragged a young woman over who had just started out at Christie's in New York as an assistant for one of the departments. And she gave me the internship coordinator's information. And at that time, you couldn't tell who was calling because there was no caller ID, which really worked in my favor because I stalked the internship coordinator who told me that they did not have any internship positions available. But I realized that after 14 straight days of calling, they did have positions available. I just wasn't asking the question correctly. And that was kind of how it started. I mean, I really loved being at Christie's from the day I walked in the door. I was doing the most menial tasks you can imagine. I don't even know you if you would be allowed to ask somebody to shred paper for three months in this day and age. I feel like if that's not a social media clip, I don't know what is, but at the time it was definitely something you could do and it was all I did in my first internship there, but I didn't really care. I just loved being there and I did everything I could to stay. And so that was kind of the start and and has been the continuing story, but obviously along the way, there have been a number of bumps. You know, I, I talk very openly in my book about the lack of payment at the company and also the lack of vision as a young woman working there for anything other than just sort of working there and, and treading water until the next stage in your life, which ultimately I think when I first got there was always, you would just get married and leave. That seemed to be the career path. And um, it wasn't the career path that I wanted, nor was it the career path I, really realized that I wanted for myself once I'd been there. Mm -hmm. And about 10 years in, I realized that I was making a third of what everybody else in my job and other luxury companies was making. And that for me was a really formative year Mm -hmm. because I pushed back. I was able to get the compensation that I deserved. And it made me realize how important it was to start seeking questions outside of what I knew or what I'd heard my whole life Mm -hmm. and to really push the envelope. And that kind of brings us to, you know, I started my new department strategic partnerships 10 years ago because of that monetary conversation. And then, you know, I would say every decade I do something new and 20 years in I wrote a book called The Most Powerful Woman in the Room Is You about my experiences working in this industry and the things that I've done to really ensure that, you know, I'm treated equally and and have been able to distinguish myself in a career that I really love.
0: Yes, ladies and gentlemen, again, today we have Lydia Finette with us who's had a strategic partnerships at Christie's and author of the most Most powerful woman in the room is you. Lydia, let's talk a little bit about that book. We don't want to give it all away, but first and foremost, tell our listeners where they should get the book or find you. What's your social?
1: So my social is my name everywhere. I think I'm the only person with my name. It's Lydia Finette, not Finay, although it does sound more glamorous. So if you'd like to call me Lydia Finay, if we ever meet, I will absolutely accept that as a, as a moniker. But um, my book can be found in independent bookstores. It actually just released in paperback today, which is March 2nd, which I'm really excited about because I had the opportunity to write an extra chapter after the pandemic about how you own your power despite the fact that the world seems to be falling down around you and the lessons I learned along the way in this past year. So that was a really fun exercise.
0: So to share some of the highlights. Um, I'm particularly interested in that new uh, chapter, Lydia. What, what are some of the, the lessons you've gleaned during COVID?
1: Well, I think the greatest one for me, when that that moment, you know, and it's interesting being back in March of 2021 now, when I think back to March of 2020 and all of the things that were happening around us where, you know, many of us just kept trying to push forward like step after step, this isn't really happening or, you know, trying to ignore the signs that were so obvious, just in the desperate, the desperate attempt to really make everything seem normal. Mm-hmm. And then at that critical point when it all became very clear to everyone that there was no denying that things were going to really change. I think for me, the biggest shift was that I've always felt so in control of my surroundings. I felt very in control of my emotions. I felt very in control of my destiny and my goals in front of me. And all of a sudden it seemed like everything had been wiped out. Mm -hmm. You know, there was no future because we didn't know what the future looked like. And that was incredibly disconcerting. You know, as a charity auctioneer, I was supposed to be on stage through March, April, and May, raising money for nonprofits in New York. It's something that I absolutely love to do. It's also something that's second nature to me. I've done it for 16 years now.
0: Trained you know how to do it, you know to do yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. Trained a lot, of, a lot of really incredible auctioneers how to do it. But I think for me, sitting in a place where I could watch from afar, all of the things, all of these services that were so needed, people were not getting the money because they weren't doing these galas and they weren't able to raise these critical budgets. And so I basically started an Instagram live to support one of the charities. And that for me was, I would like to say the moment that I realized, and this was, you know, almost two months into COVID when I started at Instagram live, really for the sole purpose of raising money for the river fund, which was a charity that I had taken a lot of auctions for and who's Basically, their food lines had gone around the block four times at that point because the need was so great and they didn't have any way to raise money. And for me, doing that Instagram live every single day just to support them made me realize that sometimes even though you think you've lost your power, you haven't lost it.
0: It's,
1: It's there. It's just something small needs to remind you. You know, It's not a monumental shift for me. It was that daily Instagram live that made me realize I am still who I am. I may not have the power I have on stage. I could do something on social media. I can raise awareness in another way. There's another way to do this, right? And that for me was a huge moment and really, I think pushed me in a completely different direction to discover a new skill set, to start a masterclass, teaching sales and public speaking and all of these other things that I've really enjoyed doing over the course of my career. And I feel have mastered. So that's really what that last chapter is about and talking about the defining features of leadership
0: during that time. Fantastic. I I feel uh, a a kinship with you yet again, Lydia, because this podcast is is in a sense my parallel to that. I'm trying Mm -hmm. through the people I have on this show and the topics that we discuss, to really keep myself honest and use my power my platform to address the bigger issues of our day from COVID to George Floyd's murder, and Breonna Taylor, Black Lives Matter, women, Mm -hmm. Um, and talk about these things and I talk specifically to business people because in my book and in my view they have the deepest bench strength uh, talent they have the deepest pockets and that's where we have I mean we need all hands on deck to solve these issues but certainly business has I think some of the biggest opportunity to affect that change so
1: absolutely Absolutely.
0: thank you for being a part of this uh, experiment if you will. Um, let me ask you about the role of business in society, Lydia. You, you, I think, represent a perfect hybrid between profit-driven businesses and um, social and planetary um, nonprofits. You raise money to help these organizations move, and you do it through the private sector. Um, can you talk a little bit about your philosophy or what you believe about the role of business in society?
1: Absolutely. I believe that
0: individuals have a
1: responsibility towards other individuals. And we all have a passion for something in our lives. Um, if you are creating a business in this day and age that needs to be core to your business philosophy because people care. They deeply care about what their dollars are used for. If they are spending with your company, if you were showing that you are giving back or that if your philosophy is in line with your greater social being, that to me is instrumental in business these days. And as I stand on stage, raising money from the private sector, I feel so comfortable doing it because I know that the people who are there want to be there. And that's, that for me is the greatest gift as an auctioneer. I'm standing on stage in front of people who have all the money in the world. And in many other countries, it's not really something that you see, but really in America, when you stand on stage, and I, I can say this having taken auctions around the world, you stand on stage and you see people giving simply to give They have raised money, they have made money in their life, and they give it away. And I think that there is something so amazing about the freedom to do that, but I also love to see that with someone who's starting a business right now. Or frankly, they've had a business for, you know. look at Chrissy's, 260 years, and we are in the process right now of ripping up so many things that we've done to start fresh, to start anew in diversity and inclusion, in sustainability, in these pillars that are so important and are openly discussed in the halls in a way that they were not even two to three years ago. So I think that that is going to be something that we will all see as we move forward, and I look forward to seeing more of it.
0: Yeah, um, you know, on the Christie's front, I'm glad to hear you say that those changes are happening. I think that we tried while we were there together to affect yes. that change. The Green Auction was still one of my greatest memories. <laughs> three years, you and I created something that was For charitable ends right climate um activism really but through an auction and had some fun along the way but we were (laughs) pioneering i think back then really i mean
1: well it was interesting i was in a meeting this past week as we were talking about sustainability as a key a key pillar of christie's moving into the end of the year and then you know big plans are coming for the next 10 years for the company in, in terms of sustainability and you know, everyone was sort of saying, well, you know, we're we're really doing this for the first time. And I said, hold on a (laughs) 2nd pull open a dossier of pictures from these incredible events where there are four A-plus ranked charities on Charity Navigator linking arms all around the similar cause, which was the green auction, a bid to save the earth, which I personally think was the best branded auction of all time. (laughs) I can say that as someone who's taken a lot of charity auctions, but a bid to save the earth really, it really showcases the urgency, which I think now people really see with climate change. I mean, this is something that I think we should actually probably pass that along to maybe the president's office. I think someone else could use that too. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'd take take it and run with it. I and you know we we actually also we brought in Nicki Minaj to bust a move <laughs>
1: <laughs> before before she was mainstream.
0: She yeah, this right? <laughs> um, but it was all and you were a fantastic collaborator on that. I, I still think you know it was about commitment to a higher purpose and it was about a team effort and it was going outside of our comfort zone, right? We had to build new ways of doing the back end of that auction with people like you and Kathy Elke's and then our partners from Vogue to uh, Aaron. Yeah, um, and, and the fun factor I think has to always be um, attended to if you're not going to have some fun, the inspiration piece is not going to be there I think that shame and guilt can get people to a certain place in business or in in fundraising, but it's not the one that leaves people feeling better about themselves or the organization. So,
1: and I'll say too, I mean, I learned so much from working with you on that project because you, you have such a fearless approach to business, which is so refreshing because especially in a place like Christie's where you hold the Christie's brand to such a higher standard. Mm -hmm. It's, often something that I think almost cripples people because they feel like they can't make that ask because it feels like oh maybe it isn't correct or maybe it isn't on brand and and you just went after every opportunity I mean I think for those of you who don't know Toby you should know that he had an audience with the Pope (laughs) that really right there should tell you everything and that was all (laughs) yes and all in all in your book as well but I do think that that really to me was such an amazing thing. You wanted the Pope to be involved in an auction and therefore off you went to see the Pope. And that really, that really right there should show you everything you need to know about the
0: but we community. tried, And the Obamas, we tried to get involved. Um, yes. Lydia, talk to me, it's Women's History Month. Um, talk to me a little bit about your daughter B and your mom, Sally, and what you see as the state of play for women in society today. Is it moving in the right direction? Is it moving fast enough? Um, what, what do you think?
1: You know, it's interesting. It is a really difficult time for women right now. You know, I feel like the pandemic has completely wiped out a lot of the progress that we've made as women. You know, I will say that when my book came out three years ago, all I was seeing were women everywhere understanding that they had the power to live the life that they wanted, and that could mean a mom who's staying at home, that could mean a hybrid mom who's also working, that could mean no children living the life she wanted, it could mean just a woman who's killing it in business, and all of those things seem possible. I think the pandemic has really, really under, sort of pulled the rug out from under so many people, especially people who do not have the same socioeconomic um, advantages that a lot of us, are, are basically, two of us who are sitting on this phone do right now. Um, and it has been really scary to see how much time and energy has been really had to, be, it's had to divert into a completely different pocket. And that has been, you know, if someone had children, homeschooling children, if someone had elderly parents, ensuring that they were the caregivers during this time to keep everyone safe. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, over a million women have left the workforce, which is really the most shocking number you can imagine in 2021. If you could, if you have said that in 2019, everyone would have said, no, women are taking these incredible jobs and these careers and they're really doing everything that they can to continue pushing this envelope forward. But it's been a tough year. And so I think a lot of what we're gonna have to see moving forward is just women continuing to come back, women and groups and companies and businesses supporting women to be able to come back after Mm -hmm. this year.
0: Mm I agree with you. And I think that empathy is such a um, traditionally, more recently has been undervalued and thankfully with the Biden-Harris administration and and some of the new leadership we're seeing in the private sector. Empathy is is coming back, I hope and believe. I think we all have to get through this together, not looking for just our own interests. So storytelling is a big part of that. And Lydia, you are a masterful storyteller. Um, You do it with the auction um, funds that you raise Again, ladies and gentlemen, half a billion dollars, Lydia has raised for charity throughout her career. Um, And you do it through social media. I wonder if you might opine a little bit about uh, social media today, um, how to use it as a a tool of power, Um, whether it's TikTok or Instagram, any sort of insight for our listeners about um, ways to use or not use social media?
1: I believe that social media is really An extension of who you are if you want it to be. (laughs) You know, social media is its own animal, and I think you can really choose to use it wisely, or you can do the inverse, and I've seen both successfully and unsuccessfully. In my own life, I choose to focus on one platform, which is Instagram, because it is a platform that I really enjoy. You know, I love I love the glossiness of it. I also love the ability to tell what's going on behind the scenes and in Instagram Stories. I love IGTV. It's what I did. All of my my most powerful woman in the room is you live. And I love it's. I love that it has the ability to make money, especially for you know a woman who's staying at home or a guy who's sitting at home who has a skill set that you know four years ago if you were good at X and you were sitting at home then you were good at it and you were sitting on your couch. Now that couch can make you money. And I think especially given what we've just been through with the pandemic, so many people have lost their jobs, there have been so many layoffs, we need to think creatively about how we're using our social media. So in my case, you know, I always say that I think of of myself as a brand, I have a book, I have my job, I have all of these things. But if I want to be able to monetize my skill set, which I did by launching the masterclass on my Instagram, I need to be very careful about the brand that I'm putting out there because I need people to understand that. You know, they're never gonna look and see a picture of me in a string bikini because that's not who I want the world to see. Actually, I don't own any string bikinis, but if I did, just so you know, (laughs) I'm very proud of anyone who can wear them on Instagram. But you know, I want people to think of me as a working woman who wants to be taken seriously. I want my family to be a priority always, which I think I show in my Instagram. And I'm also an author. And so I use it to sell my book and to talk about book-related events. And I always say to people, you know, if this is not for you, that's what the unfollow button is for. Enjoy it. Take it off and go find something else. But this is who I am. I'm putting together a very realistic picture of what I believe in and who I want to be. And, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of an extra gloss on there then you know, as my children are screaming in the background, but we get that one good picture. I will 98% of the time show you that one good picture on the feed. And I will 98% of the time show you those bad pictures on my story. So it's a combination of both, but I think it's meant to be fun. And I don't think that you have to take it that seriously. I don't use it to slam people politically. I don't use it to take people down. You'll never see me trolling anyone else. It's just not who I am. And I think if we stay towards the positive, which is what I always push in my own feed, it's a better thing than not.
0: Here, here. Uh, Again, ladies and gentlemen, today we have Lydia Finette with us. She's the head of strategic partnerships at Christie's. And she's also, I think of as the charity auctioneer extraordinaire and author of The Most Powerful Woman in the Room is You. Lydia, for our colleagues and friends who want to follow your masterclass on Instagram, how how do they find it? You have to have, obviously, an Instagram account.
1: Yeah, you have to follow me on Instagram. I do also put it on LinkedIn as well, but typically I'll drop them about a week, drop being sort of like a sample sale situation. I have 25 seats per class, and they usually sell out within a day. So when I drop it and put the information on, it's usually about a week out, and you just hop right on and sign up. Send me a DM if you're interested. I have one... Well, I don't, I don't know when this is going to to go live, but I'm doing one for sales this Friday and one for um, networking the next Friday. And then I have another one that I do in negotiations and another one in public speaking coming in the next month.
0: I'm going to have to sign you on to advise me because I'd like to do a similar thing. I do my social on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. around, like you, I try to present the positives around responsible business practices, but um, I'm definitely going to check it out. Uh, Lydia Finette, I'm going to let you have the last word today on the caring economy. Thank you so much for joining us. And what say you about anything from Women's History Month to networking to career goals to kindness? Uh, you have the last word, my friend.
1: I will say that in March 2021, I want everyone to know that things are only going up from here. So if you have a dream or a goal in front of you, I hope that you are racing towards it because the world is about to start opening up and the best businesses will be created in the next six to 12 months. So get busy.
0: Here, here, Lydia, thank you so much.